passing Live this life But son, we don't see shit She caught my eye Man, make my wife I know she wanna be saved She sending a time Have a good night Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of Inside the Dome. I am John Dodaro, and I am joined with Carlin Jacob. And also, making his return, I'd say about one month in the making, Lance Johnson is back with us today. Lance, how you doing, buddy? It's been a while since we've had you on here. It sure has, but I'm glad to be back after, what, a little over a month since I've done a lap the last episode with you guys on this podcast, but I'm feeling pretty good. I'm glad to be back in school again, back to being busy and doing better than nothing. So, but how about you both? How have you guys been crazy playoff weekend, I guess, but uh, rest of the games we're kind of lopsided. Don't get us started on that. We've, we've had our thoughts and feelings, especially with our home team. I know you got your thoughts and feelings about your team. We'll get to them a bit later but in saying that just so everybody knows yesterday our Steelers episode in a way under the light Steelers edition dropped and we break down the Steelers and our thoughts on them and their game against the Bills so make sure to listen to that episode for a full in-depth on the Steelers we'll probably speak less about them in this episode probably more on the Bills but make sure to check that out. And it should also be on YouTube when this drops today. So make sure to check out the YouTube version of Under the Lights from yesterday. But as it says in the title, this is this week in the NFL round one edition. Round one has come and go. The divisional matchups, or I should say the wildcard matchups. It was very exciting. Some of the games, there were some blowouts. There were some really big blowout games and we will get to them. We're actually going to start with probably the most surprising blowout game that happened Saturday at 4:30, I believe it was, the Browns versus Texans. The Houston Texans who had a very nice season for what they're coming off of. CJ Stroud's first playoff game, they were playing the returning Joe Flacco, a candidate for comeback player of the year, most likely could win the award. We'll get to that another day. But this matchup, it started off close. It was 7-10 to 10 at the end of the first. And then the picks happened. Joe Flacco probably had a game that he would love to forget, but it will probably go down as his final game. 34-46, 307 passing yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. And I should clarify, those interceptions were both pick sixes, which essentially gave the Texans the victory right there. They didn't have much of a running game. Kareem Hunt had a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. David Njoku led the team in catches and receiving yards, seven receptions, 93 receiving yards for the Texans. C.J. Stroud, fantastic performance, 16 of 21, 274 passing yards, three passing touchdowns Devin Singletary with a rushing touchdown to end the game Nico Collins continues to be his top weapon with six receptions 96 receiving yards one receiving touchdown Carlin this was probably a surprise to you a little bit I'm not sure who you predicted 
in this matchup. But what did you think about this? Yeah, I know Joe Flacco is like seven and zero in wildcard playoff games. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, which is a crazy stat. Yeah, and he lost. He got retired by uh, CJ Stroud, the young rookie. <laughs> which can I just say, CJ Stroud had like a fantastic game as a rookie. He's the first rookie quarterback taken in the first round to win a playoff game in recent years. I don't know if Ben did it his rookie year because I know Ben was the first one. They had to go to the playoffs. They went 15-1 and that year. They might have lost in the wild card if you want to do some look up. The divisional, I guess. But anyways, yeah, which is absolutely insane because uh, I saw the stats. I was like, well, what about Brock Purdy? And the guy goes, correction. <laughs> the first round rookie. Um, but yeah, CJ Stroud had a fantastic game. And I cannot wait to see him go up against this Baltimore Ravens team. Um, now, the Browns, real quick. Y'all, listen, y'all had so many injuries. Also, here's the thing I think Joe Flacco was your best chance over Deshaun Watson. I do not believe in Deshaun Watson. I don't know about you, Lance. I think John doesn't believe in Deshaun Watson either. I think Deshaun Watson is a bum. Uh, just because he hasn't played, he has been benched more as a Cleveland Brown than games he has played, which is absolutely insane. But yeah, overall, Houston got the job done. Uh, I know people down in Houston, down in H-Town, they love watching their playoff team. Uh, this was their first playoff win, too, I want to say. For a while, is it? the Texans? They never they, beat Kansas City. They, in that playoff, they beat the Bills. So they've won a playoff game, but it's so been they've won. It, yeah, it's been yeah. a very long time since they've won a playoff game. Something that Deshaun Watson can barely do. Um, yeah, they'll move on to Baltimore. Uh, I think they play Saturday at four thirty yeah. on ESPN. So make sure you check that out. But overall, Browns with the Cancun. So, uh, yeah. Lance, your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, this Texans team that I saw that day was a much improved a whole lot of difference than what they were looking at them from the first week when they had rookie quarterback CJ Stroud and they had the rest of that new and improved team that has been refurnished over the off season and looking at this game with how they played against the Browns like it all starts with the quarterback and that CJ Stroud he had absolutely a phenomenal performance and just to go beyond with what cj stroud is doing and i give him all the credit that he deserves but also looking at the head coach and D'Amico ryan's he has done a tremendous job improving especially with the defense that defense stepped up majorly against the browns in that game and it they gave joe flacco absolutely a hard time and now after that game finish now it makes me wonder i think that the Ravens will have something full on their hands when the Texans start playing against them. So this Texas team is definitely something else. And from what I can see when you're looking from that full regular season to who performed well in the playoffs, it just seems like the Houston Texans are the real dominant team in Texas right now. Yeah, they are the best team in Texas, especially after what happened to the Dallas Cowboys, we'll get to them later. But I'll say something about both these teams. First off, with the Browns, Miles Garrett, what happened to you? I thought you were the 
defensive player of the year favorite. And in this game, all you had, I can't even find your name. You had three tackles, two solo tackles. That was it. No sacks, no tackles for loss, no quarterback hits, nothing. I I thought you were like PFF's best player or something like that. So what happened, Miles Garrett? Uh, and also to Joe Flacco. It's kind of been a trend for backup quarterbacks this season. They'll go on hot stretches, but eventually a team will expose the backup quarterback. We've seen it with Josh Dobbs. We've seen it with Tommy DeVito, even Mason Rudolph, if we want to say that too, but he didn't have a bad game. These quarterbacks eventually cool off and it finally happened. But the Browns had a nice run for, like Carlin said, the amount of injuries they had. And for the Texans too, everybody's talking about Stroud. Everybody's talking about Demeca Ryans. I'm going to shout out one more name too. Bobby Slowick, who is the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. He came with the Mecca Rhines from San Francisco. Both of them came from San Francisco from Kyle Shanahan's system. And Bobby Sloak has been great for CJ Stroud. And he is one of the big factors in CJ Stroud's development because the Mecca Rhines is not an offensive minded head coach. He does the defense. So he's not helping Stroud much. Bobby Sloak is doing a lot of the work there. So big shout out to him. And he could be a head coach candidate. And, Regarding that, once we get through these teams, I'm going to ask you guys a little question coming back to the Texans, but I'll ask it after we cover the other teams. But same day on Saturday, Saturday night, exclusively on Peacock, the Dolphins versus the Chiefs happened in a game that probably felt like minus 20 degrees. If you were there, Taylor Swift was in attendance. Big shocker right there. She was doing the swag surf with Donna Kelsey and Brittany Mahomes. Very fun to see if you are a fan of Taylor Swift. If you're not a fan, then those people let their thoughts be heard on Twitter. But this game, though, was another blowout. Another blowout. The Dolphins, a team that I've watched on Hard Knocks over the season. I've had a good insight on the Dolphins. A team riddled by injuries. At this point, specifically on defense, is where they've been hit the most. They tried, and they failed. Patrick Mahomes was too much. Another pick. Actually, I got this pick right. I got this pick right. I picked the Chiefs on last week's pod, so I'm very happy. But Chiefs dominated. Patrick Mahomes, 23 of 41, 262 passing yards, one passing touchdown. And Rasheed Rice had that passing touchdown. Rasheed Rice is becoming Patrick Mahomes' top weapon now. Travis Kelsey is no longer the top weapon for the Kansas City Chiefs. That honor now belongs to Rasheed Rice. Eight catches, 130 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. Isaiah Pacheco had a rushing touchdown too. The Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, one terrible interception. I think you guys saw it. It was not a good pick at all. He struggled. Tyreek Hill only had five catches, 62 yards, and one touchdown. And that touchdown was an underthrown ball by Tua, might I add. But I have a question for you both after you give your thoughts on this game, particularly with Tua. But Carlin, what's your thoughts on this game? Dude, low key, right? I have theories why the NFL put this on Peacock. Um, part of the theory is because Taylor Swift was in attendance, and Swifties are a diehard fan base, and they're going to pay money to go see Taylor Swift. So it's a win-win for the NFL. I mean, anyways, 
Moving on besides this, yes, it was the first stream peak uh, stream playoff game. Uh, but also, like, there's good things and bad things. The good thing is, if you're not near local TV, like, you can pull out your phone and basically watch the game. The bad thing is, yeah, you had to pay more money to watch a game. Uh, the, there's debates about cable and satellite and all that whole bunch of bullcrap. But we're not going to get into that. Let's talk about the historical game because it was freezing cold, dude. <laughs> they kept showing Andy Reid's mustache and was like frozen <laughs> with the sweat dripping down. I posted on my private story today. I think you saw John Lance. I don't know if you're on my private story, which I keep forgetting to put you on it. But I basically said, how is it possible to sweat when there's snow outside? It makes zero sense. But let me tell you, that's what screwed up Miami. Miami was going to lose because of how cold this game was. It was so bad. Um, And the only touchdown that Miami's offense got, the hot offense that scored 70 points against the Denver Broncos, was a deep ball to Tyreek Hill. Was the only touchdown that happened. I knew Patrick Mahomes wasn't losing its playoff game. Come on. It's Patrick Mahomes. I'm pretty sure he's going to be in the wild. Uh, the AFC Championship. There's no way he's not. But with that being said, Kansas City did get the job done. It looked so fun in Kansas City. They looked like they were having the time of their lives. Did you see the videos on the internet where like they cracked open a beer? And then like 15 yeah. minutes later, if you didn't drink the beer, the beer was frozen. It was coming out of the top. Yeah. Um, or did the one smart water bottle where like they pulled out of the freezer and it just started crystalling down. It was so cool. But yeah, uh, Tua, 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 Tua. I know what your question is because we kind of mentioned it yesterday. But yeah. I don't know what Tua, I don't know. I don't know with Miami. Yeah, their defense was hurt. Uh, there's a lot of things with that. Here's the thing. A lot of the defenses are hurt. The Browns defense was hurt. The Dolphins defense was hurt. The Steelers defense was hurt. The Bills defense is hurt. Even Dallas's defense was a little hurt. Losing Trayvon Diggs was a huge loss this season. We'll get to that. But yeah, Kansas City, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. It's like not fun. And I knew Mahomes would play. Also, the only thing I could think of is I don't know if you guys saw this one. Mahomes helmet cracked. You either have to take a timeout or you have to go sit on a on the sideline for a minute. Why didn't he have to do that? Did the, we ever get clarification because of this? I feel like you have to sit for like one play at least. Maybe because there wasn't a timeout involved. But if you call a timeout, you don't have to sit. And there wasn't a timeout called. I think I think because there wasn't a timeout, then he had to sit. Like he was able to get it changed very quickly. Like in between plays, I think. But then if I'm saying if there's a helmet malfunction, you have to go sit yeah. for a play. I'm not saying that play would have costed Kansas City the game. That doesn't matter. I'm just like, why didn't it happen? Maybe because he's talking her back. I don't know. It could be because he's. But then again, I, I, I agree with you because I've seen players who like their helmet falls off and they have to sit out for a play or something yeah. like that. Unless he did and I didn't watch it, but maybe there's maybe because Mahomes is so special. They don't want him. all I know. Kansas City looks so fun. I would love to go to a game at Kansas City when they showed up. Uh, Taylor in the box with Mama Kelsey in that like whole section with the swag surfing. Cause that's when they showed it. It looks so mm-hmm. fun. Like Kansas City in a playoff game would be so fun to do one day. 
Granted, I would Auburn. cheer for Kansas City, yeah. and I don't know a day I would cheer for Kansas City in the Patrick Mahomes era. So Auburn did the swag surf better. I'll say that right now. But Lance, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, looking at this game with the Chiefs, they pretty much just dominated like Miami and like every way possible, especially, I mean, coming from a nice, beautiful, tropical weather, all sunny year-round in Miami, and then all of a sudden you come all the way to Kansas City and you're playing in temperatures that are below zero, and it it just looked rough from the start. And just looking at some of those players out there, I mean, I don't know how they do it, but all props to them for wearing short sleeves in that type of weather. I mean, I thought that was pretty crazy, but with what Tua did during that night, he just looked like he had a really rough game, and it was just not a really good comeback for Tyreek Hill coming back to his former team. He His performance was very dismal for the night, and that Chiefs defense just crunched up on the Dolphins. There was nothing really much that they could do. They really couldn't generate much offense on Kansas City's side of the field, and whenever they do and they try to convert on fourth down, it all just falls apart from there. So it, it was just rough from looking at the regular season. Like, yeah, you brought from that 70-point domination over the Broncos, and then you have some a few games where you stumble upon that – you call yourself an explosive offense, but the offense hasn't been clicking as much. And looking at this game now, it was just a disappointing end to the Dolphins' season, and Tua needs to be reevaluated a little bit. Well, speaking of MVP. Tua being... I w- before, before we talk about that real quick, Lance, I want to answer your question. So the reason why they don't wear sleeves uh, on New Heights podcast, they talked about this, why they don't wear like long underwear underneath their outfit is for um, ball security. So when you bring the ball and the balls on skin to skin instead of uh, something that's like would loose be the right word, I guess, or like can easily slide on. Yeah, about you running with the ball. Yeah, it can slip off. They could just punch so it out, or have... if you yeah, you tighten it too much, it comes it. off. Yeah, exactly. and that makes so, sense. Yeah, interesting. Interesting. So I think, Carlin, you answered this on Under the Light. So I'll ask Lance in particular uh, with Tua. He just finished his fourth year. So obviously he has his fifth year option, which I believe they accepted. So he's got at least one more year. And this would be the time where they would want to extend him if they wanted to as the franchise quarterback. So if you were the GM of the Miami Dolphins, would you extend Tua right now? Because And I will say before you answer, too, if you don't extend Tua before the season starts, you're going to have to play one more year with Tua, and then he's going to be a free agent, and he could go anywhere he wants. So would you extend him before the season starts or now? With Tua, with how he's played during like the season and just looking at it, I would say, like, I mean, what other quarterbacks – can you get that can really be a good replacement for him? Like, yeah, he's had some of those bad games, but I mean, you don't want to have him removed within the next year. And then you have to rebuild and restart all over again. 
So I feel like it's a little bit of, I would say, a little bit hasty to say to give him a contract extension. But while I'd say this is kind of like, I mean, like I said before, if you keep Tua healthy, he can have some good games. But with how he's played, I would say with how he played from the last game, I wouldn't give him a contract extension. I feel like that's a little bit too big of a stretch. All right. I would say more of a prediction, more less of what I think. I think they're going to give him one. I think they'll do it. And I bet it'll probably be an overpayment. He'll probably get paid more yearly than Mahomes, but that's the quarterback market right now. But he's probably going to get $40 million plus, I think, per year. But we're going to the big game right here, right now. Sunday, January 14th, the first game that happened, the Green Bay Packers versus the Dallas Cowboys in a game that I think nobody expected this kind of game. Maybe some people predicted the outcome, but nobody probably predicted what kind of game this would be. The Green Bay Packers absolutely dominated the Dallas Cowboys by a score of 48 to 32. And you hear that score and you're like, oh, well, it was kind of close. It really wasn't. Half of Dallas's points were garbage time points near the end of the game. The Packers dominated this. Jordan Love, similar to C.J. Stroud, almost identical to C.J. Stroud, 16 of 21, 272 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. He was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic from Jordan Love. Aaron Jones had three rushing touchdowns this game as well. He continues to be great. And he is doing this with wide receivers such as Romeo Dobbs, Dontavian Wicks, Christian Watson, Bo Melton, Jalen Reed, all guys who are either a first-year or second-year wide receiver as well. He is doing it with young guys. They're tight ends. Luke Musgrave, Tucker Craft, first-year tight ends. All of his receivers are first- or second-year players. Jordan Love is doing this with. And he balled out, and he is looking like he could be the heir to Aaron Rodgers. He could be the next franchise guy for that Green Bay Packers team. Incredible performance by him on the Dallas side. Dak Prescott, 41 of 60, 403 passing yards, three touchdowns, two picks. And you would think, oh, those are some nice stats there. 400 passing yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, all of that was garbage time. All of that was garbage time. It was not a great game for him. Tony Pollard had a rushing touchdown. CeeDee Lamb, honestly, all of them. I'm not even going to say the Cowboys receiving leaders because all that was garbage time. Lance, this is your team right here. This is your team. They got embarrassed on national television. What are you feeling right now? Well, it's a new year, but a same story, right? With the story of how Mike McCarthy has been coaching and just the same result that he comes out. You come into the playoffs. You come out with, like, what, NFC East winner against – the Eagles, you were toe-to-toe with them, and then looking at how they played the season, it was just another meaningless season. It, I mean, you are a second seed. You come into this game against a seventh seed team, played at your home stadium. You have a red-hot, ready offense. You have a superb defense with Dan Quinn as a defensive coordinator. 
you come in and you just completely stink up the place. It was very like, I had that feeling that something like this could happen, but the way it came out, the way it did that, the fact that the Packers could have easily put over 50 points at the end of the game, it is utterly ridiculous to say you talk about being the owner of the Cowboys, Jerry Jones, that you want to have this idealistic like team that can go back to the NFC championship for the first time in over 30 years. And yet you haven't gotten the job done. Just about everything that could have went wrong did the offense couldn't put any points until the very end of the first half. And then the defense, it's hard to explain with the defense. I mean, it out of all things, it's really been the running defense that's been the big issue. Yeah, there were some problems with that passing defense as well, but they couldn't even contain Aaron Jones for the most part. And the other thing too was those penalties that kept coming on and on and on. And it's been so consistent and just so problematic being the most penalized team in the NFL. If I were to be asked on the Cowboys coaching change on Mike McCarthy, I would say yes, but I think it has to go further than that. Cause yeah, like the lack of discipline and how bad, Dak has played really bad too. He was really bad. And Mike McCarthy is a big problem of that when you're yeah, talking he, about him yeah. being the offense, being offensive coordinator. And then also looking at the rest of the coaching staff, it's the time to clean house on top of all the issues. You got to reevaluate the whole team and start all over again. That's a huge necessity for them right now. You talk about all of this hype and saying that you're a legit good team, but you can't even beat a seventh seed team with a rookie quarterback. That is very disturbing. It it, it bothers me a lot to hear other fans of the Cowboys saying like, oh, this is like their year or something like that. That's the common theme that you hear about from them. And it's just like, no, you can't do it with Mike McCarthy. You can't do it with, I mean, it's been the same problem over and over. It's like you're going around in circles, but that's my rant on that. I'll let you guys take the floor from here. All, All right. right. You want to go, Carl? Yeah, I have a couple of things. First off, how do you deal with that going, here we go, <laughs> every single time? I wanted to have my ears cut off. Literally, just because it got so annoying. I don't know how you deal with that. But anyways, my two questions. I got two questions for you. Number one, we'll start with the statement. I hate when people say, Dallas, this is our year. But out of the past 20 years, this is probably was Dallas's year. Like, if you had to, like, go through a picky year for me watching Dallas Cowboys football, I would say this was their year. They had a fantastic year. They had a horrible loss against uh, San Fran. But other than that, they played pretty good. Um, so now my question for you, Lance. 
First off, Dak Prescott should never have been in the MVP conversation, and I think it's pretty good. But let's take this a step further. Do you think Mike McCarthy could win you a Super Bowl, or do you think Dak Prescott could win you a Super Bowl? I'm not saying together. Basically, if you had to pick which one would win you a Super Bowl, who would win you a Super Bowl? Well, I have an easy answer for that, but it may not be the answer that you might be looking for. If there was none in between, I would circle on that because, look, I mean, when you talk about like McCarthy, it's not like he might have won that one Super Bowl that one time, but that was really all Aaron Rodgers right there. And then with Dak Prescott, he's nothing more than a mediocre quarterback. Like, yeah, he's had his best year that he's ever had. And he's had his best games that he's ever had and jumping into the MVP conversation for a little bit. But, I mean, it just doesn't really mesh well together. I never really thought McCarthy was a good option. I thought they could have had better alternatives for coach back at the time. And then with Dak Prescott, there's just some times where – he can throw some good balls and there's just times where he can throw some really bad balls and it's, yeah, he might've reduced on his interception ratio, but he's still making those poor decisions with the ball. He's not really, he's not a good decision maker. He's not up on his feet. He takes sacks. He still throws interceptions and it's time to find somebody else. You've been in the NFL for so long already and yet I don't think I wouldn't consider him as a franchise QB in my opinion but feel free to build on top of what I'm saying or debate me on this but that's my perspective Gert you're not wrong Dak is not a franchise quarterback I think he has been your franchise quarterback for way too long what he was took in 2015 2016 he started or whatever it was right behind Romo, and that's, what, six, seven, eight years he's been quarterback, which is absolutely insane. Um, But, yeah, just watching from the Lions game and this past game. First off, the Lions game when it went to halftime, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Instead of throwing the ball out of bounds, Dak threw it at the one-yard line, and CD couldn't get an end zone or whoever it was, and the clock ran out, and they went to halftime. Same thing also happened with this game, except Dallas got lucky with the DPI. CD caught it at the one-yard line and didn't get in. The clock would have expired, but since there was a DPI, they got another free play, and that's how they scored the touchdown. But yeah, you look at Dak, and the one play he got sacked on, he was running out of the pocket. I'm like, just throw the ball away, Dak. Like, what are you doing? Like... Yeah, you're not going to get the yardage or whatever you want. You need, like, even if it was, like, third and 20. Yeah, you trying to make a play is great. But even if you get sacked, you know, you're giving them more field position down the field. Just throw the ball away. Like, there's things, like, here and there. Obviously, Dak had that pick six, and some of his throws are great. He has great throws. It's not like he doesn't. But his decision-making Literally just not the best. I don't know why people said he had an MVP year. He had a great year. Don't get me wrong. Dak had a great year. But I don't think you can say Dak had an MVP year 
when you go get crushed by a seventh seed in the playoffs, which a seventh seed since being introduced has never won a playoff game. And Jordan Love, his first year starting as a quarterback, um, did it against the Dallas Cowboys. And man, I'm sorry, Lance. But that was a beautiful thing to see. <laughs> it was beautiful. Oh my. Well, at least Ezekiel Elliott wasn't the center in this game. But I got a couple things. And I'm going to say my th- my take on Dak. First off, what they should do, I said this in Under the Lights, I'll say it again here, they should hire Bill Belichick. I think it's the best fit if Bill wants a team that kind of has a great foundation already. I would work with the Cowboys. It's a very big franchise right there. I think it's the best fit for Bill Belichick. And I think they can get the most out of him. Second thing, too. This Cowboys team, and this is our year, boys. This is our year. I knew it was not their year when they lost to Buffalo. That was the loss where I knew it was not their year. Because even that Niners game, after that Niners game, they were heating up. Dak Prescott was playing at an MVP level. Then once that Buffalo game happened, I realized this team is not legit enough. They are not that elite team. They are a good team. They are a playoff team, but they are not an elite team. And that was proven here. Third off, Dak Prescott. I'm going to slightly disagree with you, Carlin. I'm going to say he did have an MVP season, primarily because they don't look at the playoff performance. Can can I say something? Real quick, real quick. Yeah, they do not look at the playoff performance. But you think about it this way. The voting should have been done at the end of the season. It's not. But you can't. Is it? I swear it's not. They count. They don't count anything playoffs. Like, they're... I know. They but just regular let's say the games. voting takes place like today. Granted, I didn't look into this. I'm just saying this right on the spot. Let's say it took place today when we are recording this on Tuesday, January 16th. You can't tell me you go, oh, Dak did horrible in the playoff game. I'm not supposed to think about that. That's not supposed to count. But you can't tell me Dak got crushed in the playoff game. You're like, oh, yeah, he's the MVP. Like, you can't tell me that has to go through their mind. Like, it's the same thing with, like, when the comeback player well, of the year between Burrow and, like, like Burrow took him to the Super Bowl. And I was like, well, Burrow took him to the Super Bowl. Like, you couldn't tell me that went through their mind when doing the votes. Now, like I said, we don't I know when they take the you. votes. I, they, we, we don't know any of that. And you can count 2019, 2019, Lamar Jackson, MVP season. It was phenomenal, and then he got absolutely embarrassed in the playoffs his first game, and they all voted him MVP. So they they only take into account the regular season. They will not, even if they do absolutely horrendous in the playoffs, they will not take in that into effect. Okay, in well, yeah. My, okay. My, Can I say something? My point is Dak's not winning it. It's not going to Dak. That's right. So. Okay. No, no quick it's not. Yeah. No, you're good. Um, for what you're saying about the MVP about Dak Prescott, I, I mean, yeah, he's carried in some of those games, and he has carried that offense quite a bit. But there's other options too, and there are better stories for other players that you can consider right now at this moment than what you have with Dak Prescott. I mean, like C.J. Stroud or somebody else. But with Dak Prescott, I just don't see that either with what you guys see like yeah he's gotten better and sorts of stuff like that but with 
being the MVP, I think that's a little too much to say for him. And he, like I said before, he's nothing more than a mediocre quarterback. And at some point, he has to step down or big changes will be coming. Yeah. All right. And if oh. you say – last, last thing. If Dak wins MVP, which let's be honest, he's, he's not. not. But if he does, y'all are screwed. Yeah. Going yeah, back. I know. Right. Going back. I'll, I'll say my thoughts on Dak, and then we'll move on because I didn't get to finish my Dak thoughts. But he had an MVP regular season. I'll give him that. 4,500 passing yards, 36 passing touchdowns, only nine interceptions. It was good, especially – when you look at the rest of the NFL and Lamar Jackson is the leading candidate, Dak's stats are better than Lamar's this season. But obviously, you look at the games Dak has lost, he won't win the MVP. When you look at the Buffalo loss, the Niners loss, the Dolphins loss too, Dak will not win it. But he had a good regular season. But I said this probably to you, Carl, and probably to Dan as well, after last season, after their loss against the 49ers, he's not their guy. Dak Prescott is not their guy. Once he lost to the 49ers that year, he was not the guy anymore. And they rolled with him going into this season, and I was kind of shocked in a way. But he had a good regular season, and I think that is going to save his job, and they are most likely going to extend him again because he had a good regular season. And he's a good quarterback. I'll disagree a little bit at least with you, Lance. He is a good quarterback, but he can't get the job done in the playoffs. He's proven that for years and years and years. He cannot get the job done in the playoffs. And at that point, even with the talent that he has, the Dallas Cowboys have to move on from Dak Prescott. You can trade him. You could let him walk, whatever it may be. You could probably, I mean, many teams can use Dak Prescott. Many teams could. You put him on the Falcons, he's an upgrade. You put him on the Steelers. And he is an upgrade at the quarterback position. As a Steelers fan, I would rather have him over Kenny Pickett right now. But he is not the fit for the Cowboys anymore. The Cowboys have to try again, whether they have to draft the guy, whether they give Trey Lance the opportunity to be the starting quarterback. Because I don't know why else they would have gone Trey Lance. But they have to try again. I don't think Dak is going to get them over the hump of winning a Super Bowl. But... I am so sorry, Lance, for your Cowboys. Sunday night, though, was much... I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I'm not as sorry, but I feel for you in particular, Lance. But Sunday night football, Rams versus Lions, a much better game, I would say. Much more exciting game. A lot of storylines in this game. Matthew Stafford returning to Detroit. He was booed there. Jared Goff facing off against his former team, a lot of his former players. Stafford. Fantastic game, fantastic return game, 25 of 36, 367 receiving yards, two receiving or two passing touchdowns. And Puka Nakua is probably more of the story for the Los Angeles Rams. Nine receptions, 181 receiving yards, one receiving touchdown. He is now the new top wide receiver on the Rams Cooper Cup. He is good, but he is not Puka good anymore. Cooper Cup could be the next Michael Thomas in the making. He is trending on that path. Jared Goff for the Lions had a very nice game for himself. 277 passing yards, one passing touchdown. Dave Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs both had respective touchdowns. Almond Russ St. Brown, one of my personal favorite receivers, primarily for fantasy football reasons. 
He had a great game, seven catches, 110 receiving yards, and had the game-sealing reception in this game here. Fantastic game for the Lions. They finally got a playoff game, or a playoff win, I should say, and they are moving on. They'll play the Buccaneers, which we'll get to in a bit. But incredible win for the Lions. They needed this. The Rams probably overperformed, I would say, because... They were not expected much. They are still on a hangover because they went all in in the year they won the Super Bowl. But drafting some late steals like Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua has helped them a lot. And they were able to make the playoffs with a 10-7 and record. But Lance, I know you probably were not in a good mood after the Dallas Cowboys loss. So you're probably not in a good mood watching this game. But what did you think about this game? Yeah, I'm never in a good mood with the Cowboys, I guess. But with the Rams and seeing with how they come by with a three and six record to start off and being able to finish stronger than what they started and come to a playoff game. It was, it was much better than what I was expecting from them. And coming into this game with Puka being the star absolutely phenomenal he i've heard his name a bunch of times in that game and he he was definitely popping all over the place he definitely did really well in that game so his name outshined cooper cup absolutely and i can't wait to see how he continues to perform next season and with detroit now with eminem in the building and the lose yourself hype up and that the one shot and having Jared Goff's night out. And even though Detroit didn't do as well in the second half as they did in the first half, they were able to get through that game. And now it's just a matter of seeing how far can the Lions, I would suppose, take it. They have Tampa Bay next week. and But just to step back and look into this game, this was kind of like an interesting storyline with Jared Goff once used to being a Ram and now he gets traded to Detroit. This was like the Jared Goff bowl, I guess you could name it as. And the way he came out to play, like I don't consider him a franchise quarterback by any means, but what I will say is that he did have some good performances outside of that Thanksgiving game that he once had. So even though Detroit's defense isn't the best thing to see in the world, but the offense is what's getting the job done. So it's a matter of how they will perform next week against Tampa, which could possibly become a shootout between two passing offenses in particular. All right. Carlin, what did you think about this? at the head uh, the Detroit Lions have won a playoff game. It's been 32 years since the Detroit Lions have won a playoff game. We were not alive the last time the Detroit Lions have won a playoff game. Absolutely insane. And Jared Goff got that done. He got that city a playoff game and won them a playoff game. Also, they're getting another playoff game this coming week. And they can honestly host the NFC Championship, which is absolutely Insane. Insane. Um, but yeah, the Detroit Lions, man, they started out twenty one to ten 
in the second quarter, ended the half. And I was like, oh, they're they're winning. I went to bed. I woke up at the end of the game, and I saw it was 24 to 23. And I was like, whoa, what happened here? They barely got it. It was a gutsy Dan Campbell call at the end of the game. And I saw a uh, comment on the TikTok, and it goes, um, either Dan Campbell always is like, oh, that's a gutsy call, like a good move, or like he's horrible. Like why did he do that? But I feel like that's what the Lions had to do to become who they are. They had to take these risky calls. Like everyone crapped on Dan Campbell for the kneecap thing. We're like, you knock me down, we'll get up, we'll bite your kneecap, and we'll get up, you get up again, we'll get the other kneecap. <laughs> and all that crap. But here's the thing. It worked. It truly worked. They hung in with Dan Campbell and he brought them a playoff win. Now the Rams, yeah, they it's crazy they got there. They won uh their last couple games to play that game, and Matthew Stafford almost did it. But it just wasn't enough. Detroit's kind of too much for them. And, yeah, how funny would it be that the guy you got rid of came back and won the first playoff game ever in that stadium would be absolutely hysterical. Or I don't know who was that stadium or whatever it was. But for for the first time in a long time where Matthew Stafford was supposed to be the guy to bring you that playoff win, and it never happened. Um, but, yeah, overall, lines move on. They're going to host the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And Lance, I'll, I'll let you know my thoughts later because I kind of disagree with you on that one. But, John, you're up. All right. I got three things, and I'll keep them quick for time purposes. First off, that trade that happened a couple years ago, the Stafford for Goff trade, or I should say Stafford for Goff and a bunch of picks type of trade. Oh, my, that's a funny pick, Carl. Uh, that trade there. It was, I think, the definition of a win-win trade. The Rams were able to win a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. That is what they wanted to do. They went all in, and they won a Super Bowl. So it was a win for the Rams, and the Lions have been able to build a solid team with some of the picks that they got, as well as Jared Goff. So that Stafford and Goff trade right there, I think, is one of the few times where a trade was a very true win-win situation for both sides. Second thing, kind of picking off of what you said, Carlin, Dan Campbell's an incredible head coach, especially if you watched him on Hard Knocks last season during the preseason. It, he was great. I love his mentality, and he's there for his players. He gives everything for his players, too. Great personality, and if I was a player, I would play for Dan Campbell. I would do everything possible for that man because he's an incredible motivator, He's a great worker. He's doing push-ups on the sidelines while the players are doing push-ups too. He's he's getting at it, and he's an incredible head coach. And I think he really did change that Lions team for the best. He made them fantastic. First season, they were like 0-10 at one point, and when they got that first win, it was like they won the Super Bowl. Last season, winning record, did not make the playoffs. And then now they made the playoffs as the three seed and won a playoff game. That's just great development. Great job by Dan Campbell. And the last thing I'll say, what if in these playoffs, what if the NFC North dominates the NFC? What if we get a Lions versus Packers matchup in the NFC championship? Something Regardless not of even what consider. happens, we're either going to have Brock Purdy, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff or uh, Jordan Love in the Super Bowl this year. That's crazy. <laughs> those names. Say like, those names. We're not a talking. Years ago. 
We're not talking to Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I know he's on the Jets, but like an Aaron Rodgers, like that's not happening, which is insane. It's really, it's the opposite of the AFC because in the AFC, you have Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, CJ Stroud, and Lamar Jackson. Then the NFC, you got everybody who you just said, Carlin. So it's very, very interesting, the dynamic of the NFC. I will say, though, how funny would it be if the Packers went to the Super Bowl without Aaron Rodgers in his first year gone? I would laugh. The fact that the Packers have gone this far, I would, I would laugh. I really would. But I'm going to go back because I think we've covered enough teams before we get to the final matchups. I want to ask you guys a question because I should have asked it after the Packers, after we discussed them. But So you have Jordan Love and C.J. Stroud. Both had very identical games. Who do you think is going to be better in the long run? Like Let's just say next year, for example. Who do you think is going to be better? And before you answer it, I'll give a little bit of context of why I ask it. The person calling the plays for Jordan Love is Matt LaFleur, primarily. He's his head coach, and that's probably going to be the same for years to come. On the Texans side, he's got Bobby Slowick calling plays for the Texans. That's who C.J. Stroud has, and he is a probably going to be widely regarded as a head coach next year or the year after. So, and just seeing, we'll get to the Eagles soon, but just seeing how an offensive coordinator switch can hurt a quarterback. Do you think Shroud's going to be better next year? Or do you think Jordan Love is going to be better next year? I wanted to ask you guys that. Anybody can go first. I think Shroud. I'll take Shroud. You'll take Shroud. All right. Lance. I have no reason why. I just think Shroud's better. I don't care for Jordan Love. I know Jordan Love has beat the Packers, uh, the Cowboys, but also he lost to the Steelers. All right, Lance. Yeah, I put some thought into that too, and what I really enjoyed was just ever since at Ohio State, just how accurate C.J. Stroud is and how he was able to carry that on to the NFL. I think he's just going to be a super machine with that accurate cannon-like arm of his. Yeah, and you watched that uh, playoff game against the Browns, and he was, what, at like the 30 or the 40, his own 30 or 40, and took a shot to that end zone. And you just see that ball go up, and it took like five seconds for that ball to come down. It was insane how long that hang time was. It wasn't a punt, and he overthrew by like a yard at most. It was crazy. Yeah, My answer, I'm saying Jordan Love, and I'll evaluate more on that. When we get to Eagles game, I probably should have asked it after the Eagles game, but we'll get to that. I'll evaluate my answer later. But Monday slate, why do we? I'll mention this team for a little bit. Steelers versus Bills happened on Monday at 4:30. Mason Rudolph. I'm not even going to talk about them. Josh Allen and the Bills. They beat the Steelers. Josh Allen had a fantastic game: 21 of 30, 203 passing yards, three touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown as well. Absolutely dominated the Steelers. Uh, Don Kincaid led the team in receiving yards and had a receiving touchdown himself. They had multiple drops, too. Uh, But it was dominated by Josh Allen this game. James Cook had a nice rushing attack, too. We said our thoughts on the Steelers yesterday. If you want to hear our thoughts on the Steelers, check out yesterday's episode. Carlin and I go in-depth. Lance, do you want to say anything about this game? We're going to move on probably after. Oh, yeah. 
with the Bills and Josh Allen. This just happened to flip on the right side of the coin where they have one of their better performances in a game. And this was the Josh Allen show. But with the Bills, can they do it again at Arrowhead Stadium, beating the Chiefs once again? Let me jump in. It's not at Arrowhead. It's not at Arrowhead. It's at Buffalo, this game. Wait. Oh. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I'm just so... I was so caught up in my own fantasy <laughs> that I just lost touch with reality. But, yeah, I mean, I that makes it even better. Feel bad. I literally said that, how do you lose to the fifth seed when you're the Philadelphia Eagles are the fourth seed? It's all good. Because all good. the records uh, with them being 11-6 and the Bucks 9-8, like it hurts my brain that it's backwards. <laughs> Don't feel bad. It happens. But, I mean, coming back to – Buffalo now, now you got that Bills Mafia right behind you. You got Josh Josh Allen, you got James Cook, you got some of that young talent in with your offense, and then you have a decent receiving core. And then, but that defense though, now they did have a, a wonderful performance against the Steelers. They, came out they showed up but on to the next thing is with the chiefs they have declined in talent quite a bit so with the bills they've had that up and down roller coaster year and just imagining now they came off their first playoff win and i think they're a second seed hopefully i didn't get that wrong and now they're gonna carry on to this next game against the chiefs they it could be a major turnaround i mean they already got things turned around a little bit. We've seen the wheel, wheel spinning in motion, but with this next game coming in, it just seems like the Bills are going to be a hard team to beat, and that's especially for the Chiefs there with the drop balls and all the penalty calls. So the Bills have had, so far, got the momentum going for them, and just coming down to Buffalo – it's going to be even tougher for any opposing team. Yeah, definitely. And with the Buffalo Bills, their last loss was to the Philadelphia Eagles, 37-34 to in overtime back on November 26th. That was the last time the Buffalo Bills lost a game. And then other than that, they have a lot of close losses too before that. But they've been on a winning streak, including – beating the Kansas City Chiefs on that winning streak 20-17 to at Arrowhead. And that was the game where Kadarius Toney was offsides. So the Bills have had the Chiefs number a little bit lately. But one more thing, too. With the Steelers, I was just reading this as you were talking, Lance and Carlin. You'll probably want to hear this. It's kind of funny. Steelers offensive lineman Chukwuma. I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Okorafor. It's Okorafor who I'm talking about. He says he regrets signing back in Pittsburgh after a brutal 2023. Yeah. Any thoughts on Okor for Carlin? If he wants to leave, he can leave. I really don't care. We're winning the Super Bowl sometime. But I don't know where else he's going to go. So. Yeah, he's going to ruined it for y'all. Yeah. 
Okorafor just got flat out benched you, this could season. Could you imagine if we never had Canada this year? What this season would have looked like? It would have been. It would have been what I think we predicted at the start of the season. I honestly think it could have been. Yeah, but oh, with Kenny though, we would have to know next year. We'll find out. Yeah. It was funny, my professor today was essentially kind of assuming that Kenny's not the answer and that we're moving on from him, but I I don't think it's happening. They're going to stick one more year with Kenny Pickett, probably, but if you want to hear our thoughts on the Steelers, listen to yesterday's episode, and it should be on YouTube today as well if you want to listen, it, listen to it that way. But one final game before we get into predictions, Buccaneers versus... Eagles, this game took place in Tampa Bay. The Eagles, who easily could have had the one seed, they were 10-1 and one at one point this season. It was in their hands. Even the division was in their hands after getting killed by both the Cowboys and the 49ers. The division was still in their hands. And Lance, you and I were talking about this. They had one of the easiest final stretches possible. They had to play the Seahawks, the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants. For a team like the Eagles, they should win all of those games. But they lost three of the four. And at that point, they were the fifth seed. And some people were calling them the Pittsburgh Steelers of 2020. And I honestly kind of agree with that because this was embarrassing. And I'll say my reasons for why this was embarrassing, or at least what they need to do to fix it after you guys. But they sucked this game Jalen Hurts 25 of 35 250 passing yards one touchdown one failed tush push for a two-point conversion try DeAndre Swift could not do much only had 10 carries this game Devontae Smith tried his best with eight receptions 148 receiving yards he could not get the job done Baker Mayfield went absolutely off in this game a potential candidate for comeback player of the year too 22 throws 22 of 36 I should say 30 337 passing yards, three passing touchdowns. Rashad White had a nice game on the ground. Kadon led the team in both receiving yards and receptions. The talented second-year tight end, Kadon. Great game for him. David Moore and Trey Palmer and Chris Godwin all had the touchdown receptions. But this Eagles team, they have a lot of questions. Whether it's Sirianni whether it's the coordinators, whether it's Jalen Hurts, they have a lot of questions. Lance, what did you think about this Eagles team in this game? Yeah. Talking about implosion, this that's exactly what happened to the Eagles in this game. The thing was is that for the Eagles to come off to a 10-1 start, and then you have that rough stretch coming in, and yeah, they've had some problems and and they didn't come out with a win in some of those games but what really gets to me that that really loses me and hard for me to understand is you have the easiest last three games that you can ask for playing the giants the cardinals and then you finish off against the giants and by no means whatever happened there it was just they lost heart or they just lost fight. Whatever happened, it might have happened in the locker room or something like that. But this team that I expected to be the most complete team in the NFL before those last three games occurred, once they started playing those three games, I mean, they've already 
experienced it a couple of times, especially with the commanders. They've had a close shootout with them. They've had some other games as well. And I thought that, yeah, a team could have its bad games, especially when they're good, but they also have their good games too when they play against the, the better teams. Like they, they beat out Buffalo or they beat out Dallas or among the other teams around in the NFL. But with these last three games, you barely beat the Giants. You lose to the Cardinals, and then you just get blown out by Tyrod Taylor and the Giants. And then it was a one-and-done team before the playoffs even happened. Like I remember we were talking about this at the radio station not too far off from campus, and we all said that there's got to be no way this Eagles team can turn it around. They've had time to turn this around a long time ago. And now that you're playing the Buccaneers at Tampa Bay, you had the chance to get the NFC East. Couldn't do it. I thought the Eagles could. I thought they were the better team, personally. And then with all that happening, and then they have to play Tampa Bay, there's no reason why Tampa Bay won that game. Tampa Bay looked like the better team. And Jalen Hurts played poorly. And DeAndre Swift looked cold. The defense just felt like it was non-existent. It was just very soft, to say the least. And then all of a sudden, this Tampa Bay team looks like doesn't look like this 9-8 and eight team when you're talking about playing against the Eagles, or they didn't look like this team that beat the Panthers in the last game of the season 9 to nothing. And then with all of those problems, to reach into the specifics of the problems of that team, they do have to get things fixed within the offensive coordinator position and the defensive coordinator position because that's what's been screwing them up with the – you're talking about the schematics and then you have on the defensive side, you have Matt Patricia as a defensive coordinator. That just – it just doesn't make a good look for any team really. So the e- with the Eagles, it's more about that. I don't think there's any problems with Nick Sirianni. I think they should keep him. He is a match made in heaven or made in hell for Philly, whatever way you want to put it. But I suspect him to stay, and they will make some changes in the offseason so that way they can get back on track to what they were to be expected as, as this complete dominant Eagles team. All right. Carl, what did you think about this Eagles? Buccaneers game. Uh yeah, no. The Eagles, um, yeah, they gotta get rid of their offensive coordinator. He is a bomb. Uh absolutely horrible. Now with Nick Sirianni, he I think he is part of the problem, but I think you gotta give him another year. I mean, remember they went to the playoffs last year. He really it's very easy to hate on Philly. The only good thing about Philly just retired with Jason Kelsey. That was probably the only good part about Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, yeah, losing to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yikes. Then again, it's Philly. But here's the thing, right? I want to talk about this right now. Tampa Bay beat Carolina 9 nothing, like three weeks ago. Not even. <laughs> it was like a week ago. And people are saying that it's going to be like a shootout in Detroit. 
Nah, I don't think so. I think I think Detroit's going to pound them or do a lot more than win by nine points because Tampa Bay could only score nine. But yeah, Eagles scoring what, 30, uh, sorry, the Bucks scoring 33 points on the Eagles is just hysterical. I mean, he didn't have A.J. Brown, but the fact that they stopped the tush push. And I think the only other thing to say about this game is with the Eagles losing six, uh, going one and five, after being 10-1, and one, I think that's part of the reason they lost this game. Basically, once you lose like five games, your confidence is shot. It's like when the Steelers went 11-0. Yes, we were one of the worst 11-0 teams in history. I know that. I'm not, I'm not clueless. But then again, you lose what? how many games at the end of the season. It hurt. It tanks you so much, dude. It really does. Now, if you like with the Bills, though, remember they're on like a seven, eight game winning streak. They're having fun, and that's why they're winning. Now, if the Bills were what eleven and si- eleven and one going into the end of the season, and drop five straight, I don't think the Bills would win. Would have won this game. So, my point being is Philly losing those games at the end definitely hurt them, and they're gonna have big questions now in this offseason. You need offensive coordinator, obviously. You lost one of the greatest centers of all time. Um, and you're going to have contract issues coming up. I think Devontae Smith needs resigned. I'm pretty sure. Or will need soon. I think so. that's – he's entering his fourth year, I believe. So in a year or two, I'd say, after next season, he's probably going to need to sign. But I'll piggyback off of you both very quickly. Jason Kelsey retiring is probably one of the bigger stories. For the Eagles, one of the best centers of all time, and he'll definitely be in the Hall of Fame, I would say. I think Cam Jurgens is going to be the replacement for him. He's been playing right guard, and I think they're going to move him to center. So they'll probably need a new right guard going to next season. And Lane Johnson, I don't know how much longer he's going to play either, maybe next season. But they'll have to think about the right tackle position as well in the future. I would not be on the fire Nick Sirianni bus because Nick Sirianni, his first three seasons, took the Eagles to the playoffs. They lost to Tampa Bay. I think it was still when Tom Brady was there. Then the second year, they go to the Super Bowl. And not many coaches can do that. And they nearly won the Super Bowl as well. That game really could have gone either way. And then this year, he took them to the playoffs again. So I'm not on the fire Nick Sirianni bus because it's very hard to achieve as much as he has done and I know the team is very stacked around him so I think next year if they really implode then you might look for a new head coach and you can question if it's really Sirianni or just the people around him but what needs to be done Brian Johnson the offensive coordinator needs to be fired I'm shocked he hasn't been fired yet when we're recording this because He's not good. And Matt Patricia is the defensive coordinator is not good. So they're going to need two new coordinators. But this goes back to my point with the CJ Stroud, Jordan Love question. This is how I'm going to end it. Because when when Jalen Hurts lost his starting, when he lost his offensive coordinator, Shane Steichen, when Shane Steichen went to become a head coach for the Indianapolis Colts, you saw Jalen Hurts' production not be as good as consistently his production dipped from last year especially when it mattered most in the second stretch of the season it dipped the play calling was just not there 
And it really does show how coaching might be more valuable than the player as well. You could pay Hurts all that money, but if you get him a much weaker coordinator, he's not as effective. And some people are even calling for Hurts to be gone, just like that. And Jalen Hurts is a Super Bowl caliber quarterback because he had one of the best performances ever in a Super Bowl. And unfortunately, they lost. His only mistake was probably that fumble. But he can get it done. It's the coaching. And that's why I would be slightly concerned for C.J. Stroud if Bobby Slovic leaves. I wonder how effective he's going to be if he's going to have a little bit of regression either. That's why I like Jordan Love. That's why I would take Jordan Love over C.J. Stroud because Matt LaFleur is his head coach. So that's why I brought it up. But they need a good coordinator to help Jalen Hurts get back to his full potential. Coordinating does a lot. You saw the tank Kenny Pickett, Matt Canada. Matt Canada really ruined Kenny for what he is. Mac Jones coordinating ruined Mac Jones. He had three different offensive coordinators over three seasons. Went from Josh McDaniels to Matt Patricia to Bill O'Brien. That ruined him right there. Coaching is key. And this Eagles team proved it right here. Coaching is key. Coordinating is key. And final thought too, I was reading this. The longest tenured offensive coordinator now since the Saints fired their offensive coordinator. The longest tenured coordinator is Brian Callahan of the Cincinnati Bengals, and it's only five seasons. He's the longest tenured coordinator. So it shows how that position changes so much. So it is a very key topic, and it's going to be a key topic for the Eagles. But that's going to do it for round one of the playoffs. A lot of fun action, but there are a lot of great matchups coming up, and we're going to predict all of them right now. All four matchups that we got starting. Saturday, this game takes place, I believe, at 3.30. I'm verifying that right now, but actually, no, it's not, I think. It is at 4.30, this game. Texans versus Ravens, the number one seed in the AFC. These two teams played each other week one, I believe. I'm looking at that score right now. Yes, the Ravens won 25-9 in Baltimore, but then again, C.J. Stroud was playing his first ever game. So, obviously, this is a different C.J. Stroud now. But the Ravens, arguably the best team in the league right now, have some injury problems. They might be getting Mark Andrews very soon. Not sure if he's going to play in this game. But, Lance, you get the first pick. Who do you got between the Texans and the Ravens? Let's see. You got Lamar Jackson with a complete team and the best defense in the NFL. And then you have the Houston Texans with a much improved C.J. Stroud with also also a defense that can hold its own as well. And looking at this game that they played against the Browns, I did not expect them to put up a performance and just beat down the Browns the way they did. And... This Ravens team, like, yeah, they have come a little while away, but they did lose to the Browns a little earlier. And I still think, even though as mature of a quarterback as Lamar Jackson is, I feel like this would be one of those tougher games where I think it there will be some challenges to come for Lamar Jackson. Where when it comes to like 
when you're playing against C.J. Stroud too. And with C.J. Stroud, with the Houston Texans, he can throw some good balls down the field now. And it will be, it seems like, it's going to be toe-to-toe. And this, I could imagine, could be a close game. So I have some hope for the Texans in this game. I feel like this could be one of those games where the Ravens slip up. That's my prediction. So you think the Texans are going to win? I think so. All right. All right. Carlin, who do you got? I hate this. I think the Ravens are winning. Dude, listen, these Ravens are too hot. But then again, so is Dallas. So is Dallas. But let's be honest, though. Lamar Jackson is just way too good. I think this could be a shootout. Then again, they almost lost to the Rams. But I think the only thing that could happen is if Lamar doesn't play good, they're screwed. They have the weapons this year. They have the defense. But if Lamar doesn't do good, they're screwed. And Houston has a great defense. They have a pretty good defense. Um, So I'm going to take the Ravens. Now, I hope the Houston Texans spoil it. I would love it. This is Lamar's year. This is perfect. Da-da-da-da. They get spoiled. It'd be beautiful. I just don't see it happening this game. Give me Baltimore. I'm rooting for the Texans. I will be rooting for them. And honestly, if there is any team that could beat the Ravens right now, it is the Texans. They just obliterated what arguably is the best defense in the league and what Cleveland had. The Texans obliterated that team. So the Texans can get it done. They can. But I'm going to take the Ravens too because I just think the Ravens are slightly better. I don't think Lamar is going to mess up. If he does, then I think we can also start questioning him just the same way we questioned Dak Prescott as well. And we could be doing that next week if Lamar can't get it done in the playoffs. So I'm going to take the Ravens here. Texans have had a great run. I don't think their defense holds up in this matchup. I just don't think it holds up. The Ravens have a lot of weapons. I love both their tight ends. I have the Ravens winning this at home as well. Next game, this game is also on Saturday. And the first game, by the way, takes place on ESPN. This game here will take place on Fox. Packers versus 49ers. The top team in the NFC and arguably the second best team in the league in the 49ers. Packers are coming off of a impressive win against the Cowboys. They just absolutely dominated the Cowboys. But another team that has dominated the Cowboys was the 49ers during the regular season. So both teams have dominated the Dallas Cowboys. San Francisco is an 8.5-point favorite. Also, Baltimore is a 7.5-point favorite. So something to consider there. San Fran is the favorite. This game will take place at 8.15 on Fox. 49ers, fantastic season. Do the Packers have one more upset in them? I'm going to go first. I'm going to say no, they don't. I think the 49ers will win this game. Joe Barry, you had a nice game against Dallas. I don't think it happens again here. I think Kyle Shanahan outdoes you in this matchup. I just see the 49ers offense going to work, and I think Jordan Love's going to struggle a little bit more than he did against Dallas. So I am going to take the 49ers here. Carlin, who do you got? The three losses San Francisco has this year is against all AFC North teams. 
lost to the Ravens, lost to the Bengals, lost to the Browns. I want the Packers to win. I want Detroit to win it all. And I think Detroit playing uh, the Niners will be very scary. But I, it's got to be it's got to be the Niners. They're going to go in and they're going to have a field day. They have the number one home seed. Um, so, yeah, with that said, give me the Niners. Give me the Niner gang. Though, Brock Purdy could have a bad game. We will see. We will see. But Brock Purdy is undefeated, essentially, in the playoffs as the starter. Minus the NFC Championship game. But he played, like, two snaps. So, <laughs> yeah. Also, and it's I'll Joe clear- Barry's defense. Like, let's be honest. That too. Yeah, I'll clarify one thing real quick. The Niners did have two extra losses as well. Lost to the Rams, but that doesn't really matter. They benched everybody. They also lost to the Vikings, too. Kirk Cousins, one of his final uh, yeah. games. I he beat the that. Niners so, during Brock Purdy's struggle. It was an NFC North team. Yeah. Who knows? Lance. Who you going with? This game is the battle between young talent against experienced talent. Now, congratulations to the Green Bay Packers with a stellar performance against the Cowboys. Congrats to Jordan Love and the rest of that team and Matt LaFleur as well. Absolutely impressive win. But you're playing against the 49ers that have a ton of weapons on every space, every angle, every corner you play. This isn't going to be some easy game. This is going to be different from the Cowboy game here. The 49ers are one of the more complete teams in the NFL alongside with the Ravens. But with how, when you're talking about key weapons that Jordan Love has to deal with, especially on defense, you imagine having... Nick Bosa, and then you have Chase Young. Now that is one deadly combination, and I think Jordan Love is not going to have as much time to throw the ball to his open receivers like he did last game. This is a much different game, and playing at San Francisco is like its own jungle. And then you have that offense as well when you're talking about Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, and among others that we can mention here on the show. As long as Brock Purdy does his job, and he has done that for most of the time, the 49ers will and they can come out with a win convincingly. Now, Green Bay has had its struggles in the past against the 49ers, and I expect that to continue here as well. So I will also join with you both on picking the 49ers. Gold Rush. I guess we're rooting for the 49ers here, even though I do not like Yeah, them. I'm not I'm not rooting for the Niners, but looking at the pick, either. like it's gonna be the Niners, like let's be honest. Yeah. I have family who roots for the Packers, so that's the reason why I don't like the Packers, but I don't like the 49ers at all, especially with what they do with Trey Lance. I want them to fail. I really do. But Going into the Sunday slate, now we got the Buccaneers versus the Detroit Lions. This game will take place on NBC, and Detroit is a six-and-a-half-point favorite. The Lions, fantastic season, like we said before. 
12 and 5 record. Jared Goff, bit of a resurgence over the past two years. Excellent offense, probably one of the most dangerous offenses in the league. Their defense has been good, though, struggle at times. Cam Sutton, I'm talking about you, former Pittsburgh Steeler. He has struggled, especially against the Rams there. Puka Nakua cooked him. But Lions have a good team. They have a very good team. They get to play at home again. And like we said earlier, if the Packers win, they would play at home in the NFC Championship. If Lions do win and Niners win, then they would have to go to San Francisco. But they play the Buccaneers, who I guess I would say upset the Philadelphia Eagles, even though the Eagles are frauds. But the Bucks, anything could happen. Their defense is a little shaky, though, against actual good teams. But their offense, it's been hit or miss. The Buccaneers, just in general, too, I'll just say this. They are such a hit or miss team. Like, one week, they dominate. They actually dominated the Packers uh, 34-20 to back in December. So that's something to consider there, too. But then they'll lose 23-13 to against the Saints. They lost 27-20 against the Colts. They got killed by the Niners when they played. They've just been a shaky team here and there. But they're 9-8. They made it. I'll give them their congrats. But I'm going to take the Lions here. I'll go first. They're hot. They're very hot. They're playing at home. The Detroit the Detroit crowd is very excited. And I am going to take Detroit in this matchup. Lance, who are you taking? Detroit is hot. But do you know who else is hot? Taylor Swift. But aside with that... No, 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 no. What does that have to deal with this game, Lance? No, I was get, No, but aside from that, I will take the Lions with that red-hot offense. Were you just joking, the that, were you jo- just joking that Taylor Swift was hot? Is that the only thing? Yeah, I was actually being sarcastic. Okay. I'm more of a okay. Carrie Underwood kind of guy. Ah, I love Taylor Swift, dude. If any female is listening, I love Taylor Swift. Anyways. (laughs) No, I'm sitting here and I was like, Lance does know we're talking about the Detroit game. Like, the Taylor Swift game is the next game, technically. Anyways. Yeah, Detroit is way too hot. Um, So... Baker Mayfield had a great wild card game, and he got the Bucks a playoff win, and he could have got the uh, the Browns a playoff win, but you know the Browns decided to get a bum of a quarterback instead, and I'm not talking Joe Flacco. Um, but yeah, uh, the Lions are way too hot, man. Like, yeah, Lance, you said it could be a shootout, but let's be honest. Baker Mayfield scored nine points against the Carolina Panthers. The worst team in the league this year. Like, come on. Then again, the Panthers did put up 30 what points against the uh, Packers, and the Packers beat the Cowboys. So, make it make sense. Um, but yeah, you got to go with Detroit, man. I really want Detroit to host this NFC Championship game. It'd be so fun for the city of Detroit. They love it. Um, they're getting another one. Give me Detroit. All right, final game we are predicting, and this is the game that I'm pretty sure the NFL wanted, no matter what. Kansas the City Steinfeld game versus the Taylor Swift game. That's another reason why I'm not as big with Taylor Swift is because Haley yeah. Steinfeld's never in the media. It doesn't need to be. It's I bet, very I bet hidden. People listening, people listening probably don't even know that Haley Steinfeld and Josh Allen are dating. 
and that's yeah, fine. They, they, yeah, yeah, exactly. They keep exactly. it very on the low, low. It's like yeah. very low. You, it, there was a that's clip of her key. at the. There's a clip of her at the Golden Globes, and some dude like is on the red carpet. And she's walking down the red carpet, and he pulls out. He goes, "Haley," and he pulls out a Stefan Dix jersey, and she's like, "Yeah." Go, like she's like, yeah, go build. She keeps walking. She turns around. She goes, wrong jersey though. She keeps walking. There's actually rumors that they're engaged, but obviously they live (laughs) they live such a private life. We'll never know. But it's basically the Haley Steinfeld game versus the Taylor Swift game, aka Kansas City Patrick Mahomes first ever playoff game on the road, which they're making this such a big deal versus the Buffalo Bills. Yes, and you see here, we don't need to know everything about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. We don't have to see them all the time. Get that straight, NFL. Get that straight. But like Carlin said... Carrie Underwood. (laughs) I'm all about that Sunday night football intro. I literally have a theory. They haven't announced who's singing the Super Bowl like the national anthem at the Super Bowl yet. I low-key think it's going to be Taylor Swift if the Chiefs make it. I think they're um, going to get I think they're going to get Taylor Swift to sing the national anthem if the Chiefs make the Super Bowl. I will not be listening. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh, my. Anyway, let's try to get to this game. I love Carter to say it. But Lance, oh. John, I'm taking this out of your hands for a minute because you're going to oh, keep please, dying please. for 15 minutes. Lance, please. who are you going to take? Sunday, 6.30, in Buffalo, in enemy territory, Mahomes' first playoff game. What's happening? Uh, let's see, let's see. Bill's Mafia and the Josh Allen Show. Perfect combination of two. I'll take that over Taylor Swift and Kelsey and the Chiefs. All right, Carl. John. He's dropping two calls. Yeah. All right. First off, also, this game is on CBS, so guess who's going to be in the booth? Tony Romo. And I wonder how he is going to contain himself for this game every time Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes makes a good throw. Tony Romo's going to explode, probably. But I digress. Uh, Who do I take here? Like you said, this is Patrick Mahomes' first a playoff game on the road, not counting a Super Bowl. But the Bills have had the Chiefs number. The Bills beat them earlier. I'm taking Haley Steinfeld and the Bills here. I'm taking them. Taylor Swift, there's nothing special when she's at the games. Nothing special is going to happen here. Give me the Buffalo Bills. They will go on to play the Ravens in the AFC Championship. That is my prediction. Who do you got, Carlin? Patrick Mahomes goes on the road for the first time ever. Uh, Tony Romo is calling this game. Also, Tony Romo is calling the Super Bowl. So Tony Romo is going to either talk about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or Lamar Jackson in the Super Bowl. And they're they're not going up like against any fancy quarterback in the NFC. I would say probably the I don't I don't even know who the best quarterback in the NFC playoffs are right now. Probably Purdy. That's my guess, but. I, I wouldn't even say Purdy's on the level of Mahomes, Allen, and uh, yeah. Margaret. But anyways, <laughs> give me Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. <laughs> so, John, I want you to put the headphones back in. You just ripped them out. Put them in. Put them in. Put them in. All 
All right, can I explain? Can I explain? Yes. Mahomes is 2-0 against can uh in playoffs games against the Bills. Yes, the Bills are red hot. I know this. However, I think it's a storybook that Mahomes and Lamar Jackson meet in the playoffs in the AFC Championship. I think it's happening. Also, here's the thing. Yes, Buffalo has been hot, but this is the game that's going to spoil it. Everyone said, oh, Mahomes is going to lose in the wild card game in first round exits. Bet on the uh, the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, I knew not to do that because it's playoff Mahomes. Mahomes looked really good. Really good. And we're talking Buffalo. He's used to it. And I'm not a big Mahomes fan. I don't like Mahomes. I respect him as a player. He's a great player. But just like we always say, we always hear about him and that's like a little Mahomey out there. You know, like we always hear that. And it annoys me so much. And trust me, I want the Bills to win. I really do. I just don't see it happening. I think Mahomes is going to spoil it for them. Give me Kansas City. All right. Final thing I'll say with that game in particular, looking at the head-to-head that these guys have had recently, after that divisional matchup where the Bills lost in overtime, the Buffalo Bills have won the last two matchups. And both of those games took place at Arrowhead as well. The Bills won in 2022, 24-20 against the Chiefs, and then recently they won 20-17. to So the Bills have beaten the Chiefs two times in a row recently as well. I will also say I'm not picking the Chiefs, not even just because of Taylor Swift, but because of Jackson Mahomes as well. I do not want that also, man to celebrate Also, I, I do want to say one thing. Buffalo has a lot of inter-defensive players. Do not forget that. Don't forget it. Don't be like, oh, Buffalo is great this year. They're going to blow Kansas. Uh-uh. Buffalo has a lot of injured players. They lost their guy with a green dot. Bernard. How do you say his name? Tyler Bernard. Bernard, I think. Yeah. yeah. I know which who you're is, talking about. Which is huge. Very huge. Don't forget, Buffalo has a very hurt defense if you're betting on this game. Don't forget it. True. Very true. If the Buffalo Bills are going to go far, Josh Allen's going to have to take them there. It's going to have to go on Josh Allen in that offense. If the I, Bills I will are say, going though, to go far. they have the running game now. But if that running yeah. game down is shut down by the Kansas City defense, they're going to have a massive issue. The final point I will make before I end this episode, looking back at our playoff predictions very early and Lance also had the same exact predictions at least for the Super Bowl we both all three of us predicted the Bills versus the Eagles and all three of us got our Super Bowl pick wrong because the Eagles have lost so we are all wrong on our Super Bowl picks but the Buffalo Bills have a chance to at least make the Super Bowl so the three of us could be right on that we will see but that is going to do it for this episode or this week in the nfl round one edition thank you all for listening that's going to do it for inside the dome this week most likely i don't forecast any confirmed episodes but if there is a episode we will let you know on our social medias but they'll probably do it for this week on inside the dome but Tomorrow on Beyond the Dome, our new spinoff podcast, we will have our first episode. 
reviewing Echo Season 1. So make sure to check out Beyond the Dome. Links are in the bio if you need to find it. It's on most podcast platforms right now. So check out Beyond the Dome tomorrow for the first true episode on that platform. But make sure to follow our social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. And for Instagram and all that, it's the same for Beyond the Dome. It's all in one for the time being. Especially follow the TikTok. Carl's been doing great on that. He posted like four TikToks, I think, in the past day or two. So definitely check out the TikTok. And the previous episode yesterday should be on YouTube right now as I speak. So check that out if you want to see our faces. You can find uh, it will, all of It will be live at noon. When this all right. Goes out. There we go. You can find all of those links for Inside the Dome, Beyond the Dome, and our social medias all in the link in bio. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Overcast, go to the podcast website and click the link in bio there. But other than that, Lance, thank you as always for joining us. It is such an honor to have you on here talking football with us. It's great to have you back. Make sure to check out Beyond the Dome tomorrow. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're on or just follow. But with Lance Johnson and Carlin Jacob, I am John Dodaro. Have a great day, everyone, and see you next time on Inside the Dome.